Hi everyone, it's David here. Before we get underway with today's fantastic episode with Vault City, I just wanted to uh, come in and say a quick hello and to give you our apologies for how long this episode has taken to get out. We've all been under the pump as we get towards the end of the year. Uh, we know many of you have been waiting eagerly with your tasting packs so that you can enjoy the beers while listening to the brewer discuss them. Uh, if you don't already have the beers from Vault City, check out our Shopify page. Just search Cool Room Shopify. We have about three packs left. Very rare and difficult beers to get in Australia, so we hope that you're uh, able to get those and enjoy them with us. Um, and keep your eye open on our Shopify and down our social media for some great episodes that we have coming up in January. There's some really fantastic brewers from outside Australia and inside Australia who are going to be joining us. Very limited amounts of beer uh, for those events, but some fantastic, uh, some fantastic drinks and some fantastic yarns to have with them. And given this is likely to be the last episode we put out before Christmas and the New Year, uh, on behalf of Travis and Warren and I, just want to say a big thank you for all of your support in 2021. We hope that you get to enjoy a really good festive season uh, with all your family and friends and that you'll be able to join us for an even better 2022. Uh, we're really looking forward to what the cool room has to offer and hope that you'll be able to enjoy it. Enjoy us, enjoy us and join us for some of that fun. Okay, on with the show. Hello and welcome to episode 112 of The Cool Room. Uh, we have a very exciting night ahead of us for people who are joining us live in the Zoom room um, from right around the world. Uh, the podcast emanates from Melbourne, Victoria, Australia, where rapid antigen testing is going to be the exciting new world that we're moving into. That means that all of our venues can go back to 100% capacity tonight from midnight after I say 18 months it's probably the best bit of two years of lockdown um there are some people in our little uh, little group our cabal who are so excited about the, that they can barely keep their rapid antigen testing packaging away uh it's not Travis Bristos it might be Warren Wu Travis Bristos how are you my friend I am very, very well, David. Um, how good is it? We can go back to venues in full capacity. Uh, I think for the most part, we don't even have to wear masks anymore, which I feel like it's just become a staple in Melbourne to wear a mask everywhere. And that's the only time I need to wear a mask now, I think, is on the train out to Seaford when I'm delivering beers. But even that, thanks to the uh, glorious government that we have, uh, no longer has a bus in the way. It means I can just catch the train all the way out. I think I'm looking for my friend in Seaford to give me a thumbs up. Perhaps he hasn't got public transport in some time. I'm not sure, but that's um, that's exciting for me. I did have an issue the other day where I almost forgot to take off my mask before I drank from my pint of beer <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and looked very stupid in the process. It was uh... Those days are almost behind us. In Scotland, well, I don't know exactly what's been happening in Scotland, but these are questions we're going to explore in the coming coming minutes and hours. Yes, we are talking to Vendy from Vault City Brewing in, in Edinburgh tonight. Um, morning over there for, for you. How are you going? Yeah, not too bad. Good morning. Good evening, everybody. Uh, yeah, so... Thank you for, uh, for getting up nice and early and... Uh, joining us in the cool room i think we're, we're going to have a really cool night uh everyone knows the three beers we're, we're talking about tonight but before we we start talking about the beers can you paint us a bit a bit of a picture um for the australian listeners and the international listeners uh tell us a bit of where the brewery situated and uh tell us a bit about edinburgh so um the Root of what did they bring coming back to 2018, where uh, our co-founder has been two at the beginning. Um, they start making beers in the kitchen. So it was like a homebrew kind of idea. And they jump into 400 liter batches through the time. And they are still based in the, in the house and, you know, was like getting tight. And the idea was to create something that's absolutely extraordinary on the market. There's nothing such as in Edinburgh, Scotland, or I don't think there's nothing similar to ours in general anywhere. 
And a year later, they had the opportunity to be like a gypsy brewers. So they contracted brew at, uh, at the nearby city down here. And that was jump from 400 liters to 4,000 liters. So it was a massive, massive wow. jump from production. Yeah. And last year, last year in January, they, uh, they moved to Edinburgh. So now we are having our own brewery. We have a 50 hectoliter kit where we make our beers. And we've got a capacity, I think there's like 10 times uh, 40 hectares. So we are now producing within three years, we just gone absolutely skyrocket. And That's we are situated five minutes from sea, which is, uh, which is beautiful, beautiful scenery there as well. Oh, that's that's amazing. That's that's mm. a big step in uh, in three years, isn't it? That's that's very cool. Yeah, um, we'll we're going to talk about the journey and uh, and about the brewery as we we venture through the three beers tonight. Um, how long have you been at Vault City, and and how did you get your start in in craft beer? Um, I started last May in Vault City. I used to work at other breweries before, so I used to do like. Double, double IPA lagers and stuff and suddenly jump into like mixed fermentation, house culture, sour beers, which was very exciting to go on board with this. And I'm telling you, there's no a day we would be bored at work because it's always so like challenging to work with that. So <clears throat> with those beers. So, yeah. Did you have a did you have an interest in the style before you you joined Volsi? Like, was it a passion of yours? Did you really did it draw um, you? Not particularly, but the more I got into it, the more it became interesting for me. So, yeah. But um, it's completely different if you think like, oh, they're making beer. It's just like a uh, lot of science behind it and lots of trying and, as I said, like lots of challenges, uh, which is what it makes very more fun and interesting mm. this no, you, no, go. you go warren you were about to say no, just, out of our interest um give us an idea of one of those challenges like did you have a challenge yesterday that 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 you can share with us or or a recent challenge which which um... uh, recent was like when we were making this um beer co called coconut dream cake and when the coconut went absolutely everywhere into every single tiny pipe in the brewery you can even think of and we were packaging or anything. So then it takes you a day or two to clean up, like, you know, spray ball in a tank and like these little things. And it's just, at the end of the day, you, you, you see how people love this beer and it's just like, it was worth it. It was something we did it because the taste is there. People are absolutely like crazy about this beer and that's what we want to achieve. So. So at the end was, of the day, was it shredded coconut? Was it like it was coconut flakes? Yeah, toasted oh, okay, flakes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just uh, one of those days. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk more about the story of the brewery and and the journey that you guys are on uh, throughout the drinking of the three beers. But I really want to get onto this beer because this is excellent. Mm. Um, give us a breakdown, Andy. Tell us. Uh, give us a bit of a tasting note tour of this beer for a start. Are we on the raspberry skies? Are we all that we are? Yep, and it's yeah. good to see it. What time is it over there? Um, 10 to 8. Oh, that's good beer drinking <laughs> time. Yep, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> um, so this beer it's coming from our kind of series we call skies. We've got strawberry skies, it was our, our flagship beer to start with, it was one of our most popular beers when they brewed back 2019. Um, so then from there got the idea, let's let's try it with raspberries. And we are trying to source uh, all the berries like locally as close to the brewery as possible. So we get into like farms and stuff nearby Edinburgh. Now they're like more situated above Edinburgh, so Northern. And yeah, the idea is to make fully packed with lots of lots of fruit. And, you know, like raspberries are quite tart, so we back it up with a little bit of vanilla to, well, a little bit, we do like quite a lot of vanilla <laughs> to make it sweeten. And we use hibiscus flower, which is quite interesting too. So you add it on a color, you add on the taste as well. Um, 
So yeah, um, are, are the hibiscus flowers grown in Edinburgh as well, or do they have to come from further afield? No, no, no. That's uh, no, it's it's not fresh, freshly sourced. We're talking about the fruit itself. Yeah, yeah. And so it's the vanilla. Just to... you, you get the vanilla through on the nose. Yeah, as it's well. really very kind yeah. of sweet, yeah. creamy. What you can get, like I usually get from our beers, like very like creamy kind of notes that are packed with the vanilla. Uh, how will this beer change as it as it sits in the glass? You know, sometimes not everyone gets through the beer in the in this podcast recording because we, that, we move on pretty quick, but um, they'll come back to it later on. Yeah, what I think, uh, it works kind of like with stouts that the, the, le- like, the more you leave it in the glass, gets to the room temperature, slightly warmer, you get more aroma out of it. That's like what I think yeah. about our beers. There might be a, a tiny sediment, but I, would, I wouldn't say like a massive, huge difference to it because, you know, it's like heavily fruited, but it seems to be quite stable because it's well carbonated. So yeah, yeah. But no, yeah, I think the aroma will develop more, uh, more over the time when it gets warmer. This is and, off you go, Trev. No, no, I'm happy for you to jump in. Oh, I was going to say you, the the one that you're drinking looks a little bit, you know, sort of redder and fruitier than the one that I'm drinking. You know, we know that ours is sort of the second edition. Has there been another edition since, or is it? At the brewery, it might that be the light, of... maybe. Mm, could be. We're in the evening light, so. I've got this, this one. Everybody has. Yeah, yeah. that looks much, much the same. Yep. Yeah, that should be. That should be there. Maybe yeah, it's it not be light. The, the light, because I've got two different lights. I've got a light bulb and a daylight coming through. Finally, so. We've got the the late evening daylight coming through the ceiling windows upstairs at my place tonight. Um, This is a higher AVB than we see for a lot of the sours here in Australia. Um, Are there what are the challenges in making a high AVB sour taste so delicious? Um, lots of challenges. (laughs) No, like (laughs) it it comes from the malt bill, obviously. So the brew itself of our base beer is uh, compact of lots of lots of malt and and then trying to source like lots of fruit as well so we are adding uh, but do we usually have 70% of our base beer for those silly sours and then adding 30% of fruit so if you can imagine it's like the fruit in beer and it's like over a ton of fruit coming mm-hmm. into the fermenter which is yeah it's a lot of fruit in it yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's. Um, Can I just say the first couple of times you started using that much, having come from that different brewing background, when you started to brew like that, did it sort of, did you just sort of stand there in awe when a, when a ton of fruit arrived, or was it just like, oh no, we just got to get the job done? Has it sort of? No, it was like a small introduction to it, obviously. Like obviously, when I saw it the first time, I went to visit guys had watched it a few times beforehand and so i was like slowly introduced into this process and everything and then when i started i just jump in and i was like right this is great this is amazing let's do it so and with the fruit that you source do you get to get and pick you know which farms it comes from or is it just far more uh, uh, so we, or- you've got um, a series called farm to fermenter so that goes within just 24 hours. Yes. Sorry, I wasn't sure. 24. Yeah, it's from 24 hours. We pick the farm or we kind of like collaborate in between. We get the fruit. And within 24 hours, we fruit the beer with it. Yeah, wow. So they make it 24 hours back and we just get it done. Because that's, that's what I was finding fascinating was there's a big risk element in there, I guess, as a brewery about taking fruit which could be of questionable quality but like that's how you solve that problem yeah i mean they they, they could like verify obviously everything so it could be there's a potential risk of anything any any beer you make so it's it's why we do it right i guess yeah that, that's awesome um we already david already alluded to the fact or maybe you did bendy this is the second batch of this beer um when you guys are brewing beer, new beers with such sort of complex flavors, 
What do you do first? Do you make a trial batch or do you just go straight in and go full full on from the get-go? Yeah, we, um, we're having meetings where we like kind of brainstorm our ideas and there's like five, six people sit in and just like, oh, what about this? Or what if you add that? What if you take of this? So then we get to kind of final conclusion where we make, okay, let's make beer, which is going to be, I don't know, let's say the raspberry white chocolate honeycomb sour. And then is a challenge between the brewers to kind of develop. And we just do a big batch straight away. I think there was a one attempt which failed before I started with one beer, which had to be done. But since then, we just go in. Yeah, I think we are doing well. <laughs> Uh, that was going to be my next question. Was there a has, has there been a particular beer that uh, in yeah, the brainstorming were, session didn't actually work out? That was a, one of our session sours, um, which was a thing. I don't know if you have any session sours in Australia. It's like a, our series of low ABVs, like between three and four, four-ish. Yep. And this one meant to be a ginger sour, which didn't unfortunately work out. So, yeah. Could have been nice. Sounds very good, refreshing for summer. But that was, yeah, what I remember when there was what, like what a. Didn't, what didn't work? Like what went wrong? What's the? I think just the idea of like trying to get the ginger into the beer, like, because um, I wasn't there obviously at the time, so I I don't have much information about it. But is it something you've thought about trying a second time around, or is it just completely didn't work, so we don't do it again? Um, I remember that. A year ago or so, they made a ginger. It was ginger combination with something else. Um, can't remember which one. Ginger and orange, I think. I'm not sure. That. It was a session sour which worked out, but then they wanted to develop a single ginger beer. But um, I don't think we'll be trying it again, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, just move on. <laughs> um, you mentioned earlier that this this is part of it. Uh, I guess you'd call it a trilogy of beers and you touched on the strawberry. Did we touch on what the third one is? Uh, Bison Disguise. Oh. Which is oh. in the pack as well, I yeah. think. That, people have that is correct. Um, we're not tasting that tonight, but those that purchase the pack will uh, will get to in, enjoy yeah. that one as well. Um, before we move on to the next... Oh, well, can we can we hear a little... Just- you know, a couple of words on pies on the skies, maybe now that we've yes. touched on it. It's- yeah, sure. um, so pies in the skies is a, that was kind of a joint complex of strawberry and raspberry. So that's combination of those two fruits and we added some pastry to it. Yeah. You get like a crusty, crusty beer with, with pie crust. Yeah, I've got one on here as well. So we tried to stick the same ABV. So they're all 8.5. Um, just to reveal, we are actually we brewed uh, two weeks ago straw- strawberry skies again. I don't know if there's any listeners. I'm revealing information I shouldn't be. So there'll be new strawberry skies coming uh, before Christmas. Um, I don't know how, how long it takes to get our beers over. Maybe probably a while. It, it takes a little while. And I think it's one of those things that at the moment with all of the shipping, uh, it takes a little bit longer than it might have in the past. That's, that's such an unfortunate, honestly. But that's um, one of the best things for us tonight is to have all of these beers next to each other, you know, rather than just finding one of your beers somewhere nice. We uh, we get to taste them next to each other and and learn about them, you know, sort of alongside. Um, Vandy, out of the, the three of the trilogy of beers, is, is that right for me to refer to it as a trilogy? It sounds like uh, a good I word. I wouldn't call it trilogy because we might continue and add some other to it, some <laughs> other stars. A bit um, like Star Wars then. Yeah. It yeah. starts out as a trilogy and you can always add more trilogies later on. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Uh, um, out of the three beers, which is your favourite? Uh, strawberry. Oh, definitely. There you go. Yep. Good to know. That means when the strawberry gets released and we go to the, here in Australia, we all race <laughs> out and grab it. And mm. Yep. That's Brewer's favourite, so we've all got to all got to try that one. Um, guys, in the Zoom room tonight, remember, throw your questions into the chat and we will get to them throughout the evening or towards the end. Um, I don't know how everyone else is going here, but I'll smash this beer. This is delicious. This is a great starting beer. Um, mm-hmm. I had a nice little day where I didn't drink any beers before this because I was so looking forward to it. So this is my first beer for the day. That's unusual. Hey. <laughs> Mine too. 
<laughs> Except it's 7 p.m. over here. <laughs> uh, it is. It's a really good beer. And I feel like as the more it's it's coming up to room temperature, you get more of that raspberry hit to it. It's kind yeah. of tartness coming through. Yeah, the tartness really comes through. Yeah. Immediately yeah. backed up by the vanilla. I, I love those too. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, uh, Warren Wu, who yeah. surprisingly was in the room on time tonight. Uh, Vendi, you'll, you'll notice Warren was here from the start. Normally we have to wait until about uh, half an hour into the recording before Warren shows his face and then he just uh, decides to chime in with uh, sparks of wisdom as we go along. Um, <laughs> um, Warren, you're going to take us through the next beer. Yeah. Yep. Um, which is the, the honeycomb sour. The raspberry white chocolate and honeycomb oh, yes, sour. Sorry. Yeah, I was looking off another Yeah, yeah. no, no. Yes, you're, right. yeah. you're right. Um, <laughs> hopefully everyone in the Zoom room's got that beer on hand and cracked it open. I'm going to sip on the rest of my raspberry skies because I want to see what this beer does uh, as it brings itself up to room temperature. So, uh, Warren, when you're okay. ready, if you've cracked open your next beer... And if Andy's cracked open the next beer as well, I keep forgetting it's only whatever it is, 8 a.m. over there. So it's we we probably don't want to rush you for, for morning. Oh no, it's fine. Totally fine. I'm not just taking it easy, like I'm not gonna be finishing my beers this morning. Are you <laughs> off to work after the recording of this podcast? Yeah, I'm heading to work. Just have to do. Nice. So you don't want to be too I know it's it's fine to take it easy. Like it's eight in the morning. I basically started three minutes ago. You know. I thought a nice way to to cruise into the next beer and give people a little bit of time to transition was asking you. So, what's your background? Where where did you start brewing? Um, where what are some of the places you've worked? Uh, yeah, what have you done in your in your career? Well. Um, my career is not very like long in terms of brewing industry. So I'm originally, if you could hear the accent, I'm originally from Czech Republic. I'm not from Scotland, but I've been here for like 10 years. So the passion from, for beer coming from my origin country, obviously, but we are passionate about lagers and dark beers and so on. And since I was Scotland, I like, you know, trying to like get into close to the craft beer which is growing like mushrooms here is the breweries. So it wasn't very difficult. And my brewing career started a year and a year and a half ago, mm -hmm. where I was working uh, for a brewery in Glasgow, which is on the other side of the state. And yeah, we've been making mainly double IPA. So I was working with enormous load of hops. And from there I was, going to work with an enormous load of fruit. So it was like completely opposite sides. So it was a bit like, it took me some time to pick up on this thing. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it worked, I guess, so. Which brewery were you at before you came? Um, Overtone. And can you, you heard like, yeah, no, no, not particularly, I've got to say, but can you tell us a little bit? I mean, I think some of our listeners probably will have, because we have listeners from right around the world, but you know, yeah, the, give us a nice praising, 100 words on why that's a great brewery. So that brewery is probably as old as Walt City or as young, so three years. Um, and there's a head brewer coming from New Hampshire, from States. So he's extremely passionate about New England style. And I think that's what they're very good about. They're making exceptional double IPAs or even just uh, IPAs. Um, I think one of the best ones in the UK currently. And on top of that, they are capable of doing also amazing stouts, different variety of ABVs, barrel aged, some sours as well. Um, yeah, I think that's what makes the brewery. Like within three years, they just got over quite a lot of markets and they are also doing export, I think, to Australia and China. So you probably be worth to look in if you can find some beers from them. Well, we've got a few of our importers in Australia listening in in the Zoom room, let alone in the okay. podcast. Hopefully they're taking some notes. And um, David Tadani, we hope you're listening in and send us a little note and um, we might be drinking some of those beers soon. Yeah. Hmm. 
So let's let's move on to the raspberry white chocolate and uh, honeycombs out. So a birthday beer, and we've had a few birthday beers on the podcast before breweries who have who have decided to brew a special beer for their birthday. And the general theme of it is is let's throw a shit ton of everything at this beer and and just really kind of go out there. And I think it feels like that's what's been happening on this particular beer. Is Have I got that right? Can you give me a, a, a sense of that meaning? If people are making birthday beers, they want to they like be exceptional. They want to make something crazy, as you say, something mm. nobody ever made before. And I think we went there on as well. Because with this one, we also made the stout. Yep. And our third beer was Strawberry Stars, which was Strawberry Skies with glitter in it. Oh, with so sorry, what? Glitter. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. You, you're like, very much our kind of brewery, can I say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Think yeah. <laughs> I've seen it like first time in, in USA brewery. So nobody ever done it in UK, which, um, yeah. We must have got our hands on it. So that was our three birthday beers and this raspberry white chocolate honeycomb sour. Even if you read it, it says already like, you know, it's full of lots of crazy stuff. But yeah. that sounds exciting, I believe. So is there a taller worry that when you start to brew beers like that for early birthdays, that when the brewery gets to its fifth, tenth, you know, all of those other 21st birthdays, those important ones. If you've already used the glitter, where do you go? Do you have a, like a little party popper sort of, you know, streamers come out of the top or, you know, where do you go from I there? Think the, these ideas come in along as we go. So if we don't plan as ahead. We, we plan like a couple of few months and then we usually change our recipes anyway. But then suddenly somebody wakes up with like some idea and comes to work and like, oh, let's make this. And if we like it, we just go ahead. So I believe that when we are 15, we're going to, Still be doing like uh, crazy beers. Yeah. <laughs> the crazier, the better. The crazier, the better, exactly. Um, with it going back, coming back to this beer a bit. With uh, I mean that that the raspberry hit on the nose is amazing. Like it's, I yeah, I think it it is the like it's almost like you've got a whole truck full of raspberries and squished it into the bottle. It's it's just really intense. Um. Is there a special trick to that? How how and what else? What else should we be getting from this beer? And, and yeah, a whole bunch of questions, really. All of those. I think, I think the well, this beer is obviously way more fruited than uh, Raspberry Skies. Mm. It's also a higher ABV, and I don't know if you heard about. So we've we've challenged beers into like three different categories. So ones are sessions, which are the ones I mentioned. Then we have serious sours which are like between seven and eight, that's Raspberry Skies. Or seven and nine, they're like, they're like straightforward sour. Then we've got silly sours. And that's where we play. That's where we throw our crazy ideas. That's where we go higher on ABV. And so Raspberry White Chocolate Honeycomb is our silly sour, where mm -hmm. we put incredible amount of fruit. So that's why it tastes like a tray of, tray of fresh raspberries. And you can definitely get the chocolate on the nose with the honeycomb. Like, mm. Mm. It's coming creamy, sweet notes. And there's also like, I haven't mentioned our house mix culture. So we've been over the years working on our house culture, which is very huge on tropical notes. And so when you make our, our base beer, you just get tropical stuff coming from the house culture, which is something mm -hmm. quite unique over the time now. And very strong, like, our culture is incredibly, incredibly healthy right now, which is something we are so proud of. Without giving away any trade secrets, how do you develop a house culture like that? Like, what do you do to get those those particular um, characteristics coming through your house culture? Is it a is it a particular um, method? Um, I don't know if I have much to say about this because we've got um, my another my colleague, another brewer. He's like, he's a mixed fermentation brewer and he's all about the culture so i'm chipping in from the other side a little bit so he would have more to say about it yeah but. Mm -hmm. um 
what what's something that's what's since since arriving at at Vault City? What are some of the things that have really surprised you about the process that that they go through? Why is there been like things new things that you've learned which are kind of blowing your mind about about this style as opposed to the the kind of the big hoppy styles that you you were brewing? I think one of them was the amount of fruit because mm -hmm. when we tried some sour beer in uh, in my other brewery. It was like, you know, a couple of hundred kilos and that was it. But then here to create and work on the body of the beer, that was something like, oh, this is how it's done. You know, like you need to actually play with the mold build and the fruit. Then also depends if you go for like a, like a very pulpy fruit, like such as mango that creates an enormous body on the beer mm -hmm. or play with the water treatment and because I obviously have been in the brewing industry for a very short space of time. So I'm learning as I go every single day and mm -hmm. information is just thrown at me. So I was blown by everything, basically. <laughs> when, when you find those new fruits or you're, you're brewing with them, I guess, for the first time, like, say, mango, are there other people in the brewery who give you advice about that? Or do you ask around the brewing community? Or how is it each time you have to introduce... You know, I guess I'm asking even ahead to the next one. We're talking about a bit uh, a fruit like guava. Like, I love yeah, the flavor, but how how do you go about working with a flavor like that? So that's obviously, as I said, like there's a lot of people who are like <clears throat> like within the company. There's like five six people who have experience from different sources, or there's like my colleague who tries so many beers. Like I think yeah, he he just drank so many beers, so he's like chipping from that side and we just kind of put our ideas together and then trying to develop and if it's work that works mm -hmm. sometimes you go and like ask your friends at other breweries how to develop this flavor and that flavor so you get it right and that's how it works between breweries um robin in the in the chat has just asked a really great question um so is there a common base beer and does the grain bill vary between, or is the grain bill constantly, I'll, I'll, uh, constantly uh, varied between each one of the beers? Like, do you, do you have like a base that you begin with and then alter it slightly for each one of the, your different styles? It's, it's, it's very similar, but we, we can, we trying to change it as every time, but the whole like, the start with is, is quite similar, but yeah. Um, I think the, the main thing is to play with the fruit because mm. every fruit has different levels of sugar and this, so the calculations is changing the model all the time. And and then we also occasionally do stouts, so that's, you know, completely different. And mm. Yep, yep. Uh, we've got a traditional cool room question that we always ask our guests um well then we well it's just i suppose it's a rebirth of the a traditional cool room question um what so when was the first time you tried your first craft beer i know <laughs> the i know that the czech has a, a long history of beers which aren't necessarily craft oh but if there's one that, that's there they're great but yeah when did you try your first one what really got you hooked in and yeah tell us about it that's actually a good question so as you said like in czech i was always like no lager dark lager mm -hmm. and i came to scotland 10 years ago and i was in a bar with my friends and they were like, oh just go there order like number 13 you know to the event or number 13 it was like seven pounds or something and I was expecting, you know, I was like a pine drinker. So I was like, okay, I'm going to give up some lager or something. They gave me a one third of like 14% Imperial Stout. And I was like, looking, I was like, what is this? And it cost so much money. I, I couldn't believe it. So I did not enjoy this beer at the time. Like I would enjoy it today, but I was experienced. So it's like, this is craft beer. I'm in a craft beer bar. Okay. I'm not getting pines anymore. <laughs> um, and then it kind of started all. Awesome. love it that's great um from that question i suppose the next one kind of makes sense so is there some beers which your the brew team have inspiration take inspiration from uh, it's i mean it's it's easy to i suppose 
it's well it's not easy um yeah do you, is there inspiration i suppose you guys are so out there that it's probably a difficult question to ask because yeah, um if you look at it like or we could not see anywhere anything even close to us or like very similar so we are still trying to like see what's going on in, in states and in uk and like domestic market and in europe and elsewhere and all sour beers are just way different and i think that's what makes us it makes us unique because we labeled our beers as a modern sour beer which is not just a sour you all know like lambic style and you know like all coming from belgium and stuff so yeah uh, <clears throat> i think the, the main ideas coming from us that's uh our brainstorms in the office mm -hmm. and yeah, Wild um, I suppose we can't move on without talking about the stout version. Um, mm. Is it, is it, so, which is also in our tasting packs, which is great. Um, what similarities will the listeners, I mean, they're both completely different beers, but are there some similarities and in terms of what they'll taste and how it was produced? So the idea was to create like a, a liquid cake, mm -hmm. um, which uh, which is fruity. So both beers obviously give you immediately the tartness of the of the raspberries, or the, the stout does it more than the sour, because it's in the stout and it kind of didn't make the base beer very sweet. So we tried to we are counting on the honeycomb to to back it up. Um, but yeah, definitely the white chocolate isn't there. The raspberries. And it's quite a thick, um, heavy, full-bodied beer. And yeah, a liquid cake. They both should be standing for that. Nice. Yeah, this is definitely, yeah, if you were going to describe a beer as liquid cake, uh, and I haven't opened the sour, uh, the stout yet, but the sour definitely makes that bill. Um, I think this is probably, a, unless there's any other questions, this is probably a good opportunity for us to, take a short break let's go um well welcome back everyone we've had a little break here in the zoom room uh some fantastic little chats with some interesting themes that i'll pick up on in a moment but it's a real reminder about how much fun it is to join us live in the zoom room because you get to ask your questions of the brewers you get to type them into the zoom and we're gonna have a little bit of time for audience q a which when you're thinking about beers which are as fantastic as the ones we're having tonight from Vault City is a pretty amazing opportunity. And um, particularly when you think about how rare it is to have the opportunity to talk to a brewer from the other side of the world as it is from the Australian experience right now. So um, look, we've just opened up our bottle of the Paradise Island. Uh, this was one that was recommended to us as the one we should finish off with. Uh, we were just talking before about the uh, the importance of sourcing local products, passion fruit and uh, guava, papaya, um, fruits that I just associate with Scotland, I've got to say. Uh, tell us a little bit about the sort of, take us through a little tasting of this beer and then tell us how you find the fruits to make these ones happen, which I presume is a little bit of a process. Yeah, so you can smell a lot is coming through the combination of our house milk culture, which I mentioned before, kind of tropical. This is the best pairing for it. Mm. That's where you get it a lot. Like I had uh, the other day strawberry lime beer and it was the same, like first thing I smelled was our culture, which was a huge and tropical. Sometimes don't work with other, but yeah, definitely passion fruit. Like I can, I can imagine the, the seeds in my mouth when I smell this beer. Absolutely. Yeah. E even the colour sort of reminds me of some of the passion fruit drinks that we have here in Australia. Like it's that sort yeah. of deep sort of orangey sort of pulp colour. that would... I, I don't, papaya doesn't taste of much, like unless you combine it with something. Papaya can be quite bland. Although if you have fresh papaya, it can be quite perfumey, which luckily is not in this case, but papaya always needs kind of like a someone next to it because otherwise it can 
Well, it's amazing color. It's kind of like when when you fruit beer with papaya, it looks like tomato tomato gazpacho soup or something. It's quite interesting. Um, but yeah, guava again. That that's the amazing body on this beer because passion fruit can be quite a thin juice. Um, so thanks to guava, this is nice and thick, full body of beer. Um, and that's a really good way of because the question I was going to ask was then why include papaya but it's that sort of bit then about what it adds to the body and i presume just cuts the fruit acidity out of the passion fruit that you might otherwise have how much yeah. passion fruit is in there how do you i think uh, i think this was this was made when i was starting but i believe there was like a equal part of all the fruit it meant to be like a nothing is like overwhelming there so if i believe it was like 1200 kilos in total divided into 300 each or well, 400 each um so yeah there'll be somewhere like an equal amount of everything maybe less passion fruit because it can be quite um uh very sour if you if you do too much of it yeah it's a this is a really amazing beer i mean we we drink a lot of beers here on the podcast i don't think i've had one quite like this ever um in terms of the way that the fruitiness balances out, and yet at seven percent, like, I wouldn't it, guess this is a seven, Sorry, no, no, I, was just, I wouldn't guess this is a seven point two percent beer. Like, yeah. if you, you could almost hand this to me for breakfast and say this is a, I can know, feel a breakfast it. juice, I, I could easily replace this with uh, the breakfast juice that I sometimes have in the fridge. I reckon. Yeah, what I was trying to say that um, if you smell this, like it takes me straight away to some like exotic holidays, you know, when you have this fresh and squeezed juices and sitting on the beach or something. So we, we made this in uh, was May or June, somewhere there, which was like weather was trying to get a little bit warmer in Scotland. So it was kind of, you must, you, you have summer right now. Is that true? Well, that's that's the theory. It's got to say, right now in Melbourne tonight, it doesn't feel like that. It's at the okay. end of spring, and I think it was twenty-five degrees Celsius and cold and miserable. It's it's the worst twenty-five degree day I've ever had here in Melbourne. I've got to say. I'm just saying that this is probably a perfect time drinking this beer for you guys, so you could like mm. uh, matching weather for it. So. Where in the world would you most like to be drinking this beer? I mean, obviously, in Edinburgh, it's a it's a lovely postcard from somewhere else. <laughs> somewhere like on the beach, yeah, thirty degrees by the sea, under the palm shade. That would be great. And in, in the is... end, Paradise Island, so on the Paradise Island, probably. Who's somewhere the in the Caribbean. Caribbean. Probably in the middle of the Mediterranean, like Greek islands. Probably not Brighton. You don't want to be... The Brighton doesn't easy. come to mind. Uh, now, one, of the conversations, you, one of the conversations we were having during the break, uh, both Travis and Warren have, uh, have been to Edinburgh, and I never have. So we were talking about the geography. We won't go back to that, but what's the craft beer scene like? in edinburgh at the moment i mean it's always fascinating for us in australia to drop in on countries around the world and just sort of hear what's going on some places it's booming some places you're the only one in the city how, how do you feel uh about where you are at the moment so at the moment like because we are very traditional and you know scotland and all that so it's all about ales and cask and stuff um so the craft beer is not overwhelming in the city center or like in the city in general um, but there are a few craft beer bars we have a craft beer festival once a year organized by a group which organized it also in london manchester and so on um but we just i just mentioned that we are planning to open a massive tap room yes no so let's talk about the little tap room first you've already uh, got the little one uh, we just opened a, a wee bar we call it the wee vault uh, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you've been in Scotland long enough to use the word wee bar. So that's good. Oh, it's my favorite. It's like it's my favorite word. <laughs> <laughs> so our bar is called Wee World, and 
we have a capacity of 12 people. You can sit 12 people, although we've got 24 tabs. But it's not, it's, we, we don't call it bar, we call it tasting room, it's like bottle shop. So people can come, have a, a wee tasting, <laughs> fight or buy some bottles. And 18 of the tabs are covered in our beer. So we've got 18 lines of, none of them are the same. It, they are changing also every two weeks. So it's quite uh, interesting to keep up coming with production to cover it and and, and I presume you've got to turn over the beer in that bar fast enough, or do you just take them off when they're two weeks old? Because you know what, actually, um, we had lots of deliveries to this to this we shop within first two weeks. Like, um, I went there last Friday, and it was lots of people just coming in and trying to get a seat because, you know, we are popular now, and this is something new for the community. Something new, like you don't have a sour beers sour beer bar very often. Like it's. Mm-hmm unless you go to Belgium probably, but it's not common at all. So again, we are playing, playing with something unique, which is small, like 24 taps for basically not anywhere else. So. Mm-hmm. And when, when you go there, do you put on a false nose and a moustache and hide yeah. up the back and just listen to what other people say about the beers? Or do you no, go, I was go hi, I'm the brewer, I want to know what no, you no, think. No, no. But um, I went there last Friday and happened to be a meet the brewer by accident. So I was just talking to customers about our beers, which was which was very nice. And what are you going to say tomorrow night when they when you go in and they have you done any meet the brewers lately? And you say yes, one in Melbourne, Australia last night. Yeah, well, yesterday morning actually. <laughs> It's a pretty foreign thing out here in Australia to have. In fact, I can't think of a place where the capacity is less than the amount of saps. Um, mm. Have you guys ever come across anything that, uh, Vandy? I'm guessing this is the only one you've come across. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. 100%. Great concept. Like, there's not a there's not a brewery there, but Bar Americano has a capacity of ten people in the city. True. But it's yeah, a cocktail right. bar. Like it's yeah, it's it's but we yeah, there's nothing where there's more and there's the two per, there's the two person bar in uh Docklands associated with the little putt putt uh, golf thing there. Oh really? Yep. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I got taken to a bar in London at the same time I was the same trip I went to Edinburgh on and that had that capacity of four people, Ooh. uh, but they only had one beer tap. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> in Japan, you can sit it. You can sit. There's cocktail bars where there's like yeah, eight people, and it's only eight people, and you have the whole place for for two hours, and they kind of craft cocktails for you. Vendi, do you get people in the in the tasting room that s- sort of start up, start on one tap and work their way through, or try mm. to work their way through all twenty four taps? I don't know actually, but I'll find out because I'm in street. Uh, I believe there were some people trying to do that. Yeah, I mean, I 18, like... 18 half pints of our beers, you probably won't be able to walk out the tasting room. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I was about to say. I don't think uh, anyone would actually get through. There's probably a few people in the Zoom room that'd give it a crack, though. I reckon. It depends on how much they like it. If you serve tasting glasses, it'd be okay. Well, that was actually going to be my next next question, yeah. Ben. Did you, you know, because it's a tasting room over here in Australia, we have a lot of the breweries out there, they have what we call tasting paddles where, you know, you get small samples of a bunch of beers. Yeah. Do you guys do that in the tasting room as well? Um, yeah, that's the plan for the future as we just freshly open. So we serve our minimum, like we serve for the certain percentage, like one third, half pint or two thirds is a schooner. Mm. Um, but the future is to go like a, to do smaller amounts. But even though if you would go for a tasting tasting glass and you would go through 18 beers, mm. I know there's some session beers, but majority of them are seven, eight, nine percent. Yeah. Even 11, so. yeah. And what can you tell us about the big tasting room that's to come? I mean, we have a yeah. lot of listeners around the world. And again, a shout out to all of our friends in Norway who are for reasons I don't understand, uh, listening to Australian beer podcasts in ever-growing numbers. Um, why should everyone from Norway and the UK and everywhere else come to the come to the new bar when it's open? Uh, we are also like not just showcasing our beers, but uh, time to time we are making or 
it's the plan and we already have done some. We are doing a tap takeover, so like very unique breweries you don't usually get anywhere in a bottle shop or craft beer shop or any other pub. So last Saturday we had a we had a, our friends from Net Brewing, which is a small batch uh, Imperial Stouts from Norway, sorry mm. Sweden. Oh, um, I thought you you just I thought you'd shout that to our Norwegian fans so well, but it's okay. That'll get us more listeners in Sweden. That's great. <laughs> yeah, um, it's like we had I think eight or ten taps just covered by those Imperial Stouts, so all of them were 11, 13 percent, and that was going on Saturday evening. So we are trying to bring a unique beers to Scotland or to Edinburgh, which you don't just get anywhere else or like anywhere easily accessible mm. unless you go directly to distributors so that's yeah. our goal as well that's pretty amazing um it, it sort of i guess leads on to the next question i was thinking of both in your career at vault city are there are there flavors and fruits you haven't used yet you want to do or i guess thinking about the broader brewing that you can do do you miss doing ipas and things like that is there something you sort of that's a good question. You're hanging out the mic. We actually made, it was a few months ago, we did a sour double IPA. It was a collaboration with our friend from England. And we used only hops. So we make base, base beer, which was full of lactic acid. And we put there, I think, 70 kilos of hops per 40. It was like 40 heck batch. So that was coming to like a high... Uh, yeah highly uh, hopped beer and it was very popular. Like you would think it is sour double IPA. Even I was like concerned. I'm like, I don't, I don't think I'm going to like this. But then <laughs> then we were like tasting it every day. We're trying it. I'm like, this is amazing. Like you get the dry hop with strata, uh, which is yep. very topical hop as well, I guess. And it, it worked out. It was perfect. And I was about yeah. to ask what hops you were using. So it's that sort of tropical... Trying yeah. to get the same kind of flavors in a different way, I guess. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, and so was, uh, a few weeks ago, we also did a sour pale ale, which we combined hops and fruit. So we added some pineapple and I used sabro and mosaic. So it created like an amazing combination of pineapple, coconut flavors, uh, sessionable sour, 4%. is brilliant. Work out very well. Is, is Sabro at all controversial over in the UK? Because I've got to say that here in Australia, there are Sabro fans and there are people who aren't quite so keen. Yeah, um, I feel like it's like a coriander version. Where yeah, it's pretty, that's good. Love it. <laughs> that's with Sabro Hope as well. Um, but yeah, probably same here, definitely. <laughs> um. We're going to move on to the most traditional of the cool room questions. And um, we need to explain perhaps what a cool room is to some of our overseas guests. So this is, you know, the big cold walk-in fridge out the back of a bar or a brewery or a pub. We call ourselves the cool room, not because we're cool, but because that's where everything goes wrong. And all the things that happen behind the scenes happen in the cool room things you don't normally talk about in public. Um, and so we like to ask the question about, you know, what's the strangest or funniest thing you've seen happen behind the scenes in a brewery or a pub or somewhere like that? The kinds of stories you wouldn't normally tell, obviously not related to the place you work now. Let's just call them the Mystery X Brewery. And uh, what, what happened there once? Did anything explode or did people That's hold hands out the back? I'm probably too careful. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I can think of only like my previous job. I was dry hopping on the first fermentation where you get the explosions if you don't close it too early. Uh, but I just didn't seal it properly. So it kind of started leaking out and spraying all the wall and everything. But that's probably the biggest thing I can think of. So that's really so everyone must leave work at five o'clock on a Friday night. They never hang around for work drinks. Nothing ever happens where people mess around behind the scenes. That's really we won't explore that topic more carefully because we've got some 
questions and answers from the uh, or questions at least from the audience. Uh, I've already got one from Mugs. I think we've probably got about time coming up to eight o'clock, coming up at the top of the hour um, for maybe another three or four questions. Um, but Mugs, if you'd like to unmute yourself, uh, you're a very experienced brewer. We had some of your beers on the podcast last week when we were doing our homebrew session. Um, fire away with your question, brother. Thanks, David. Um, yeah, oh, I've been blown away by these beers. Um, my question was specifically about the uh, the Skies series. Obviously, you were talking about putting different fruits in um, different batches. Um, my, my sort of question was when you're putting fruits in these sort of beers and they're in sort of the same series, are, are you using the same amount or the same rate of fruit in them or are you sort of, you know, varying it according to the batch to sort of meet a certain flavour profile? Yeah, it's all... It all depends on the ABV, but in this case, we stick to the same ABV. So there was lots of calculations in terms of how much sugar. So obviously raspberry will be more tart and like has less sugars than strawberry. So, but then also it's kind of like a game to play with the body because Sky series, we, we were like going for high, heavily fruited beers. <clears throat> Um, I don't know off the top of my head if it was the same amount, but I believe it was like close to similar. It's all coming like from the from the head brewer to calculations and then and then um, trying to execute it. So, are, are you so you're actually measuring how much potential sugar you can get from the fruit as you get yes, it? Yes, we don't want, we don't want like different ABVs and some, so everything yeah, is yeah. controlled and stuff. Um, but yeah, I believe the the amount of fruit was pretty much the same. Yep. Hmm. I'd, 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 by the sounds of it, I'd really like to try the strawberry now. So it sounds really good. Strawberry skies, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna be uh, it's going on pre-sale next week. So <clears throat> excuse me. So you can definitely get it in Australia maybe at some point. Awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. We'll be keeping our eyes peeled for it, I reckon. Travis, do you uh, want to run the talking bit while I do the typing bit? Was I was just—I just saw you typing vigorously there, um, Shannon. You had a really, really good question, mate. Let's yeah. unmute you and over to you, buddy. Thank you. Um, yeah, so Australia, because we have a pretty extreme climate that goes from you know really hot to really cool, depending on where you are. Um, we tend to go through seasons in beers, and, and sours are very much a, a summer beer. Uh, for the most part, probably in Australia. I'm just wondering how sours go sort of year round for you in, you know, in, in a much cooler climate. So I personally would think back in the day that, yes, sours are, you know, summer beers and you want to like fruity beer on a hot day. It's, it's not, it's not true. Like we are trying to go towards, when we go towards autumn, winter time, we would focus on like uh, darker fruits. So we would not make Paradise Island next month, but we released like uh, lots of blueberry beers. So we added some spices to it. We've got a blueberry pumpkin spice latte. Oh, dude, it sounds amazing. Straight away, autumn vibes. Like, you know, you see, or we did apple maple pecan. So it was apple fruited with maple syrup and, and pecan nuts in it. And that straight away what opens in me is just like the autumn where all the leaves are flying everywhere and you just sit in front of your fire you know like that's that's what we're going for occasionally we make some stouts there is um, some of them are in barrels some of them will be our collaborations so yeah um i wouldn't say this are result for summer only like it's just to just to kind of get the right ingredients and add it to some spices or Stuff like this. And, and I've got to, I guess from my perspective, the more body there is, it changes it from being that sort of some of those sour, but almost sort of fizzy, you know, soft drink versions that we might have in Australia, which are lovely on a hot summer's day. But that's yeah, part that of the reason why perhaps we don't think of them as being a winter beer. 
But when you get that body and depth to the flavour, it's a very different kind of sour. Yeah, yeah it's what I think that on a summer beer, you would go for like one of the session sours, which is like thin, like we did gooseberry elderflower. That's definitely like... Oh, a, yeah, oh. you're talking my language. Spring kind of summer vibe when it's hot and you just want the elderflower coming through that that's um and going forward like towards winter blueberry we did blueberry triple chocolate double maple s'more oh <laughs> so that all sounds amazing yeah yeah i told you guys you need to make a trip to to edinburgh um, the, the, the more you tell us about these beers the more likely i just want to get on a plane that's brilliant um, we have another question from Oliver in the Zoom room. Do you want to unmute yourself, buddy? Yeah. Ask away. So I'm just interested to know if all of your beers are kettle sours or whether you employ other souring methods as well. Um, it's a it's a kettle sour style. As I say, we've got the house culture, so we are going like... Yeah, I'd say kettle sour, pretty much. There's like a little bit of the, the house secret, how it makes our beers, which we don't reveal, obviously, because that makes us unique, so. So maybe um, for those of those of us here who aren't familiar with um, sours, maybe you can just describe the process of kettle souring to us. Um, so we, we are playing with lots of like um, um, salt, to make it sour as well. Um, to basically make a sour, uh, a base beer. Yeah, um, I don't know what to say about it, like to be honest. Um, um, sorry. Um, yeah, so there's a, I mean, there's an extra step in the process, which is to, to add a culture to the beer to, to make it sour rather than um, just fermenting it to make alcohol. You ferment it in some respects to create so the cultures can create sourness in the beer yeah so the, we usually ferment our beers over like three days but the culture gets over it and and then uh, we add in fruits and all the additions we have to so the answer the question oh, that's that that's great um we are getting close to to wrapping things up um Guys, remember that uh, you know everyone gets to hang around in the Zoom room afterwards and chat the night away. I'm probably thinking, Vendy, you're going to have to get to work at some point, so your your beer intake is going to slow down. Um, you can you can always just say that you had to stay online for four or five hours and you just yeah, go back no, to no, bed no, for a bit and, and drink with a bunch of Australians. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm 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 curious. You. Over the, the three questions we just asked you from the Zoom room participants, you mentioned some awesome beers. Um, is there anything on your list that you really want to brew but you haven't had the chance to do yet? It's uh, a good question. Um, I like to experiment with our stouts a lot and the fact how it works with fruit because you don't usually put fruit in the stout. So... After this raspberry trial, I'm, I'm more intrigued to try more. Yeah. Um, we've worked with banana last last week for the very first time uh, in sour. So I would be even intrigued about some sort of banana flavored sour. Like, why not? Yeah, that's... That, could I just ask you, did you do that as a straight fruit? Or I can see that working some of those autumnal spicy sort of things you were describing before. But was, is that just a straight sort of banana sour? Oh, the one last week we made? Mm. No, there's lots of other stuff going in. You it's, don't just uh, say anything more than that. That's fine. That's, I was just interested in. I can probably say it's going to be a called guava banana banoffee toffee smoothie. So. Excellent. We'll, we'll put that out in our show notes and that'll be the scoop of the night. So I don't know how we're going to get it out of the bottle at the end because it's <laughs> weird. Um, yeah. That sounds awesome. I'm right into that. I think that's, yeah. So when's the next flight to Edinburgh again, guys? Or can we get on one tonight? Or... It's a bit like that, isn't it? <laughs> um, thank you. We're, we're going to wrap things up from here. We've had some cool uh, audience questions. And, and Vendy, thank you for 
your time. Um, Obviously, it's early over there, and we uh, we very much appreciate it. We, uh, you know, the the participants that come into the Zoom room for these sessions, uh, they're all beer nerds. They all all love beer, and and this is what we do. And it's really cool when we get international guests on uh, like yourself. So we we very much appreciate it. Um, we will uh, give a shout out to your social medias and everything in the show notes of the podcast. But uh, if you know those off the top of your head, can you can you uh, let us all know what they are? Oh, the social media content. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can follow us on our Instagram, Walter De Bruyne, or Facebook is the same page. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. There's also a page for the We Beer, Beer Shop. Uh, we oh, Walt, cool. That's yeah. called We Walt Eddie, like Edinburgh. Yeah, but their Instagram as well. So if you want to have a even look at the pictures of our amazing tap station, which is made by our friend, which lives nearby Edinburgh and does stainless steel welding, then uh, have a look at it because it's quite a unique concept I've never seen before. Um, so yeah, those social media is just Walter De Bruin um, and uh, Twitter Perfect. as well. Um, okay. We will definitely check out the the Wee Bar because that's my first stop when I get off the plane, I reckon. So, um, do you have to line up, or is it is it always busy? Was it? Is the Wee Bar always busy? I've been there a few times. Uh, like we've been there like as a team before we open, and I've heard like I've seen a picture on the first two days of opening where there was a queue of fourteen people standing outside. We're not flying all the way from Melbourne to Kew. Sure, <laughs> surely, for you guys, obviously, you know, that's good. We just walk in and we just say, "No, look, we're friends of any. We're we're right to walk through." So yeah, um, people are like, I would say it's busy. I've not been there. Like, I've not heard much because we are kind of separated. Like, we are by the Portobello Beach and then the city centre. Nice. Yeah. Um, th- thank you very much for your your time uh, this morning, your time. It has been an absolute blast. And I think uh, everyone in the Zoom room has loved the beers. Um, Make sure you guys uh, check out the Cool Room Facebook page as well because you'll see all the stuff coming up in uh, December. Um, Obviously, as you heard at the top of the show, we uh, had to postpone Moondog. That'll be in December now. Hopefully, by that point in time, this episode will be out. Uh, I've got my work cut out for me over the next couple of weeks. Um, but we will get it out. Uh, Bendy, once we've got the podcast out, we'll make sure we, uh, we tag you guys in it as well and you can share it on your social medias. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Yeah, really good, appreciate good, it. good night, guys. Um, enjoy the rest of the beers and thank you for having me. If you're in you. Edinburgh, I can give us a shout, okay? We definitely will. Okay. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Okay, take care, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.